is there still any swelling at all? Uh, and it looked like you were wearing, I think, like a wristband for the game. Uh, is that is that awkward at all? No, nah, uh, it actually improves my shot a lot. So I actually had fun with it on. We're gonna bring y'all into our huddle. You are the Warriors huddle with me, Bram. With me, per usual, my boy and producer Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, I am excited to announce we have a brand new guest and one I couldn't be more fired up to have us join us, a Edmonton native who has covered the NBA for the last seven years for outlets like SB Nation, The Athletic, and ESPN, a current NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports, and a woman who recently co-hosted a TikTok live event without knowing what the hell that meant. Please welcome Miss <laughs> Sirit Sohi. What's going on, Sirit? <laughs> I do not think I have ever been more enthusiastically welcomed to anything. Have you ever considered uh, be, being being like the introduction guy for an NBA team? I've tried. I've tried so many times. I even stormed the floor at an Oracle game. You know what I mean? Like, just show up there, ran down to try to grab the yeah. mic. And and strangely, it didn't start a career for me. So, so <laughs> really? far, yeah, no, the, the uh, forcing them to allow me to announce the game didn't ultimately start anything. And mm. I, I tell you what, Sirita, so I, I have so many questions for you and I got a bunch of warrior stuff that I'm excited to get your opinion, but we got to start with stuff on you specific. And I'd be crazy not to ask you this because I just don't know shit about TikTok. Are you a TikTok expert now? I mean, now that you've done this live thing, can I turn to you and have you teach me this entire social media platform? Yeah, I actually, I actually invented TikTok. So like, I'm like the person, <laughs> you know, I can, I can answer any of your questions. No, I actually, I actually uh, recently, so I've had an account for a little while. Um, and then I realized it was like, it, it, it's just like brain candy, you know? So I was like, I got to get off of this thing. And then I redownloaded it recently just because like, it's actually just, it's actually just a lot of fun. Um, I, what I'm told is that the more you use it, the algorithm like kind of catches on and then you really start getting the good shit. Uh, but right now it's just kind of like, it's just like an app where I get like weird self-help stuff and uh, and like your occasional basketball highlights. So it hasn't really like, you know, the spies haven't really completely pared me down yet, but I'm sure that will happen at some point. That actually makes sense. And it explains my own experience. So I hopped up on TikTok. They showed me like 4,000 dance videos in a row. I can't dance for shit. Just not at all. So I immediately got out of there. And now it turns out I just need to stay there a little bit longer because I could use self-help videos. I mean, uh, uh, there's no question that's right up my alley. Self-help dance videos. How about those? No, I've already given up on that. Okay. Maybe okay, okay. maybe just self-help videos to uh, <laughs> to jumpstart my live reporting You know, at, at uh, NBA events. Let me veer us towards something that might be more basketball related. So I, I mentioned it. You've been covering basketball forever. I've also stated that you're an Edmonton native. Do you have a favorite team or are you one of the reporters who tries to keep neutral and, and stays above the fray? I definitely don't stay above the fray. I'm not an above the fray person like by any hear. means. Um, I didn't really have a team. I'd say when I started getting into the NBA, I definitely liked the Bulls the most, but I wasn't a diehard fan by any means. Although... If you ask me about Joakim Noah, I'm probably a diehard fan. <laughs> Aside from that, uh, not a lot. Like, not a lot has has stuck with me from there. But I will say, like, I can't not root for LeBron James. 
Like he's like the last holdover of somebody that was actually like in his prime then when I was just a fan and is in his prime now. I also love Steph too. Like I remember watching like watching those finals runs was just for me so much cognitive dissonance, you know? Like I really thought I really wanted I really wanted the Warriors to do with that seventy two one year. And then they got to the finals against LeBron and I was like, Nah, I'm sticking with my boy, you know, I can't do this. Uh so I definitely root. I definitely root. I find that like there's just certain players and storylines that I find myself liking. Um, and honestly, I just think it's a more engaging way to cover the sport even. Like I just pay more attention to things if I accept that I like them and then I want to go and enjoy them. Or on the on the flip side, when when I feel like something that I like is being ruined by like a bad lineup combination or something, I just feel like I'm much more attentive to it. If I admit that I like it and then just go from there. Cause I think, I think sometimes in, in sports journalism, now there are areas of sports journalism that are actual journalism where you do have to do this. Uh, but we do this fake objectivity thing where we just take all of the like rules of uh, it's admittedly just not too serious. Right. Like I feel like pretending you can be objective in a setting like that is just like a fool's errand. Like you're almost tricking yourself and being even less objective because you can't even admit your biases. So I just feel like, yeah, I like these guys. And like there's certain guys where I don't, I, I really don't like their play style. And there's certain guys that I really, really root for. And like, it's just, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I didn't start doing this to like stop liking basketball. So that's just kind of the way I approach it. I'm going to work backwards. First, let me say thank you for admitting that. So we've had a bunch of beat writers on here and I don't know, like 80%, maybe less 60% go out of their way to give us the bullshit line of no, I don't care. I don't root. I am just there to be an objective observer and, you know, tell fans what happened. I call bullshit. There's no way that's yeah. true. Even, even <laughs> if you don't actually root for the team, like if you don't want them to win for the team, you want them to win for you. If you are covering a team that's really successful, exactly. people are going to follow it. So thank you for saying that. Working back. You also up. either like, you either personally like the people that, like are on those organizations right. or you don't, right? Like, right. You're, you're still a like, human like, being. Hell yes. Yeah, like, like, if some player punks you or something, you're going to be upset. Like that's just going to be part of the show, right? Totally. Like that's just human nature, right? Like if, if somebody's, you know, I, it's being either like disrespectful or standoffish or whatever it is, right? Like nobody reacts to that well, right? Like you try to, you try not to let that influence it too much because ultimately like you're not that important it's not their job to make you feel special yes. right oh yes um, but yes. at the same time like man i you know what like i like the raptors people you know so when they were going to the finals i was like okay you know, i really i really hope these people get to accomplish this thing okay you bastard uh, that that is the perfect I mean, transition like, we are not we're now no longer friends okay exactly right <laughs> perfect transition to my next two points one we are friends you've come to the right place you say you never stay above the fray you can already tell i'm as crazy and erratic as they get syrup <laughs> i don't stay above anything i like drama for no reason um and that's certainly true within sports so you and i have that in common but maybe first and foremost you just brought me through a roller coaster 
of emotions. You go out of your way first to tell me you don't have a favorite team. So I'm like, oh, thank God she's not a Raptor fan. Then you tell me, oh, but I'm a huge LeBron person. Then I start sweating out of anger. Then you say, I'm a big Steph guy. Like, oh, maybe it's not that bad. And then you complete it with, but when Steph went to the finals and had a chance to uh, to cement the 73 win season, no, I was rooting for LeBron. So I have no idea. I thought we were on our way to like a really fast friendship. Now I'm like left out in the cold. I have no idea how to really feel about you and i'll add this so i've i've stalked you in preparation for today Sirit, and i know oh, that you not only covered toronto and the raptors but you also said that being part of their 2019 title run was quote one of the coolest things i've ever been a part of so i really like you but you're breaking my heart in the first <laughs> 10 minutes of this relationship that's all i can say yeah well imagine living in my head and trying to cover the nba <laughs> <laughs> Here, be honest with us. When you were covering Toronto and they're playing the Warriors in 2019, did you develop some animosity for the Warriors? Because I'll tell you straight out, I hated Toronto. Like by the, I, I was furious by the time you guys finished off that ass kicking. So was there anything? Did you get some emotions up and running or not really? No, no, honestly, I, I, I love the way the Warriors play. Um, yeah, there's just there's no one on like there's just no one on that team I could hate from a basketball perspective. Like I just man, Curry's like Curry's like so, just one of the most special players I've ever watched. Clay is Clay. If you don't like him, I just don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> um, I love everything about Draymond. Like just like what he represents is gro- and like he's he's obviously it seems like he's grown a lot too. He's just like I love how candid he is. Um, I love Iguodala. Like man they're just a great team like with kd to like kd is like for me i've always felt like for the past little while like if not for health he'd be pretty much considered the best basketball player on the planet so i don't know i didn't really develop that but i also think like it's different when you're watching a series and like your team is up because like the warriors were just dropping like flies too right like i think there's a little bit of an empathy aspect that that kicks into gear but also like i think maybe if the raptors started that series oh and one maybe i'd feel different but um like those negative feelings never really got a chance to to develop to be honest like you know know what one thing i'll tell you guys actually you'll either love or hate this um have you ever had a dream where there's like a tsunami coming at you or something like something really destructive is coming at you. And then you just wake up and you're like, Oh, okay. Yes, sure. So yeah, like everyone's had that dream, right? Yeah. You're always kind of relieved. Yeah, exactly. And I don't like, so I don't want to say relief in this, but like you just, there is like a sense of like, Oh, okay. I'm not going to die. Right. Or like this. So I guess in this, like sort of in this analogy, like this, the, the team is not about to die. The first 11 minutes of game five, when Kevin Durant came back and hit three threes and like and was just unguardable, that was what the entire arena was feeling. Now everything that happened with that and the booing and all that stuff, I don't condone that. I'm just like I just remember how that felt. I was sitting next to my colleague Chris Haynes and, and Vinny Goodwill, and we were just looking at each other like this thing is over, like it is wrapped up, like the entire atmosphere changed. And the reason that Raptors fans could feel it was because for the first time they knew what it was like to know they had the ace, that they had the best player on the team, and that no matter what happened, like, he was going to increase their chances. Like, a lot a lot of things could go wrong, but it's okay. And then immediately after, immediately after, like, in, in within, like, like, those 11 minutes, the Raptors lost that feeling and then got it right back. Yeah. And it was like, 
Okay. It was such a palpable thing. Are you trying to make me now. sob? Like, like literally right now? I, I, of course I remember that. <laughs> it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. I cried cheers of joy for the first 11 minutes and then just <laughs> sobbed, you know, for 12 minutes and there on after. So you could tell on your end too, right? You're like, this is different. Oh, the, not of course I could tell. Not only did he hit those, those threes, he had a block shot. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember him looking. It might have been Van Vliet. I remember him looking, making eye contact with, uh, with Fred and given a, a facial expression that suggested, yep, mm-hmm. things have changed. And I, I yeah, was like, at I'm here now. Party. Yeah, yeah. And I remember partying with, every, I remember all of us at that finals watch party exchanging looks like, oh, it's finally started. This is what we expect. Then we fast forward, you know what, eight real minutes and we've got another injury and the dynasty has completely shifted. But I can't talk about this anymore. It's, it's going to gut me and I have too many other things. You have a lot of Warriors fans on your podcast that are just going to be like, what the <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. We are you are developing you're developing enemies everywhere, which I which I respect to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But but Marcus, you work with Surratt. Let me ask you. She started before we started talking about the end of the KD era and all the damage that that caused us. She went out of her way to say she didn't have any animosity for the Warriors. You work with her. You know her. So, you know, if I did that, I would be saying it just to kind of pacify the host. I wouldn't mean it, but I would say it, you know, to make make nice. You know Surrette. Do you think she actually believed that? Did, did she hate the Warriors as this thing went on and she's lying to us? Or is she the kind of person who, yeah, I was a little healthier than us? I think she's a little healthier. Uh, I know the other answer is a little juicier, but I think Sierra just, you know, speaks like it is. And like she said, she's she's a fan of basketball. She started off as a Bulls fan, which is already rough enough. So I think, you know, liking Steph and liking LeBron, there's a bit of a, a, a juxtaposition there. But other than that, I think she just you know, likes the game of basketball itself. I'm, I'm I'm curious if she ever played or where that love came from, but I don't think it's comes from an unhealthy place. I think she just likes the game and likes who she likes and just is objective about it. I definitely wouldn't call it healthy, but I did play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will, I'll give you a sense of how unhealthy I am. I hated Toronto before the series even started, but let me focus back on the Warriors because you've written a couple pieces I genuinely enjoyed, um, both focusing on Golden State, here's the first quote, the Draymond generation, why underside bruisers are ideal in today's NBA. And you already kind of told us that you have a ton of love for Draymond. Um, Spoil the ending of the article for those who haven't read it. What is it about Draymond now that makes him the perfect fit for today's game? Yeah, sure. So Draymond, when he, when he came into the NBA, was considered undersized, but in a league that switches and screens so much, that strength is so important. Like, he can kind of just total anybody. And he can also, I mean, the Warriors don't do it a lot. They do it more than they used to. But if he has to, he'll get around a screen. Like, he'll he'll kind of bust you wide open if he wants to. Um, and he can, that allows him to, it allows him to post up uh, a little bit. Although, eh, that's maybe, maybe, maybe that part applies a little bit more to, uh, to some of the other players in the piece. But, he can definitely guard guys in the post. Like, he knows how to use his strength. Um, and Draymond also just has a crazy wingspan, and he's really smart, and he understands angles. Um, and essentially, when he got into the league, uh, he kind of, you know, like, he kind of paved a path for guys like himself that couldn't necessarily see themselves in the NBA, like, didn't really see the way that they fit. And they saw him. And a lot of them, you know, Grant Williams... Uh, one of those guys 
when he was in high school, he was like, look, I can do this thing, right? And he was kind of just describing a Draymond-esque role. But, like, the only real guys that he could point to were, like, Sean Marion, right? And Sean Marion, great player in his own right. And if he played in this era, would have gotten a ton more credit. Sure. Uh, But but didn't really, like, you know, wasn't really big in, like, a a basketball household name type of way back then so so Draymond's emergence like it, it did two things it kind of it gave it gave the people who wanted that type of player to succeed an argument so that helped the players sure. it helped scouts that liked that player and it helped GMs too because GMs got to go sell that to the owner too and it's like if you're trying to sell a guy it's like oh well okay well he's you know he's how, how tall is he it's like oh well he's you know he's six six and you know what just is he is he fast is he athletic well Eh, not really. Okay. Well, how's his how's his range? I we think we can develop it. Develop it. Uh, but you know, it's not great. Like it just doesn't really. You know, it's hard to sell. But you know, it's like pretty easy to sell. Next dream on green. Like how many times? How many times are you hearing that comparison now? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, what what he has done is quantify unquantifiable things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we used to look at the measurables like in the draft combine. Uh, what's his vertical leap? You know, like what what's his size? Exactly what you were saying, or things that show up in a in a box score. And now that he has won three titles and a defensive player of the year, and has kind of established himself as who he is, that's no longer always the benchmarks. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Like now you have to account for things like intelligence and his effect on the floor, um, which is, is a perfect transition to this. Did you get a chance to watch the Warriors loss uh, versus Charlotte earlier this week? Uh, I did not. Uh, are, you, are you aware of it? This is the one where at the end of the game, Draymond ended up getting two technicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sorry, have you watched highlights? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, so for for those who didn't, the, the Warriors were playing in Charlotte. Game without Steph, which was kind of weird. He was a late scratch, I guess, with dizziness. They looked like they were going to win, and then they pissed away a late lead, and it ended in one of the strangest sequences that I can remember. Uh, the Warriors are up two. It's a jump ball. Uh, Gordon Hayward comes down with a jump ball. Draymond seems to tie him up, and instead of doing another jump ball, they uh, they award Charlotte a timeout. Draymond complains, and they give two technicals to Draymond, which essentially end the game. Uh, Charlotte hits the two free throws. They tie it up. Then they hit a game-winning shot with no time left. So with that in tow, did that change anything? All three of you. So let me start with you, Surat. Now, you know, we, we, it's not the first time we have seen the temper get the better of him. You know, he's famously got kicked out of a finals game. But it is the first time that we can immediately- Can you tell me a little bit more about that? that? No, no, I cannot. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm trying to shame you out of this, Surat, and it's just impossible, which I respect, honestly. But give me the answer on this. So I, having watched those highlights, does that change anything at all with the way that you view Draymond? No, I mean, it happened so long ago. I mean, like, the, the finals thing happened so long ago. He oh, yeah. has Not finals, not pretty... finals, the Charlotte thing. Yeah, I know, yeah, no, I know. But, like, I'm just saying, like, what like what happened back then happened a long time ago. And, like, every once in a while, you're still going to have your dust-ups, especially if you're a guy like Draymond. But the, the, the goal is to reduce him, and he definitely has. Like, we haven't really heard of a story like this about Draymond for a while. And also... Dude, the refs are on one this year. Like they gotta chill out. <laughs> Especially the young there's ones. There's something crazy. There's something crazy happening every single night. Like a Jokic got a tech the other day for asking a ref why he was laughing at him, which I didn't see the refing angle. But if he was laughing at him, I think that's a fair question. And like <laughs> you saw the JJ Redick 
like we what, what was it like violently or whatever like no spun like the ball, ball at him yeah with force like very very yeah. hard by the way with force yeah like if you saw that reap like it, it like barely landed his feet held like it was that it was that light of the past um and it was right after another another technical that he got and so he got him thrown out of the game and passing the ball back to the ref uh, there's just there's just a bunch of these happening uh, across the league all the time now, and it's like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like you know there's no there's no crowd, so there's like less pressure. I don't know what it is, but I really just feel like the refs need to relax. Um, yeah, that's my that like I don't know. I don't. That's just my take on it. No, I think everyone's fine. I love that, um, and I'll agree with you. I'll take it a step further. Did it change anything the way I view Draymond? F- no, it solidified the way I view Draymond. No one is ever going to say that he hasn't played with his emotions on his sleeve. In fact, I think anyone who's watched him will tell you it's the fact that he's played with the emotions on his sleeve that it lets him guard way above where he should be guarding. It's why he can guard all five positions. It's, it's his passion that has led to his success. And I think Kerr said after the game that, like, look, are there times when the passion hurts us? Absolutely. But would I take it away? You know, would, would I get that passion out of the system if, if that were Mike's call, of course I wouldn't. It's the passion that's led to the success. So no, I mean, it, it was frustrating and it was a weird as shit ending. And, and I agree with you. I think that the refs were reprehensible. Um, I, I think that they panicked and we saw that, but it certainly doesn't change any way I view Draymond. Um, Maxine, did it cause any concern? You were good when you watched this go down? No, I mean, I've, I've you know, I've had a pretty... Um, up and down relationship with Draymond kind of internally ever since uh, the calling out KD for being a bitch incident. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but I came in to record that episode and was feeling some type of way because I felt like um, them deciding to suspend Draymond felt like the the final nail in the coffin for ultimately deciding that they're going to move on with him. They were essentially siding with KD. Okay, in the end of the day, KD moves on from the team, but I've still, I've never gotten past that initial feeling of, hmm, this isn't a perfect relationship anymore. But still, I think that the types of things that Draymond does for this team on and off the court are so far more important than an occasional outburst to Sirrett's point that like it doesn't really ultimately change how I feel. Yeah, I, I think that... Um... That sums up essentially what I was saying. Uh, you wrote another Warriors piece that I got some notes on here, Sirit, that I uh, I want to run by us. So the piece was called, quote, Meet the Coaches Who Scrutinized the World's Greatest Jump Shot. And basically it describes how Brandon Payne and Bruce Frazier helped Steph Curry's jumper on a daily basis. And I won't steal from his thunder. Um, this one had a lot of great little tidbits. And if you are a Warriors fan, go find it. And so I'll keep it as a tease so that people still go watch it. But let me ask you this, and it's more of a personality question. So I mean, Steph is arguably, or maybe just straightforward, the greatest f-ing shooter of all time. And the idea of offering him advice on something he does better than anyone has ever historically done is kind of weird, right? And if he had mm-hmm. hired me, like if it was my my job, literally, even if he had picked me out and said, Bram, I want you to help me through this, my personality type, I would be hella passive. I wouldn't know how to do it. You know, like I'd, I'd give him a suggestion, but it would be phrased as a suggestion. I would never be like, all right, here's how we get your shot better. It would be, Steph, you already know everything, but maybe you want to try this. You know, no, it would it would be an incredibly passive aggressive uh, scenario. For you, 
how would you, mm-hmm. what's your personality type? You know, like, are you aggressive enough to be like, nope, f- you, you did that wrong. Here, give me 50 reps with this new shooting motion. Or are you a little closer to my approach? I think in this particular scenario with Steph and like, man, I'm just, I'm just going to be playing the hits for Warriors fans right now. But honestly, I think because of his disposition, it wouldn't make me nervous if I actually noticed something. So that's the first thing. Like you have to, I don't, I don't see me like with my naked eye being able to notice like some of the intricacies of those guys notice. If I did though, I would feel comfortable telling Steph Curry that just because I feel like Steph is a pretty chill guy. Seems like a pretty chill guy when it comes to like a critic, like a constructive criticism of that sort. Like that feels like a big reason why he's been able to, to be so successful. Like, I don't think that, I would risk like this is just by like I'm 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 talking I don't real I don't know Steph I'm I'm talking about the persona right like what what we what we all kind of know him at, to be right like he seems like the type of guy that even if he disagreed like he wouldn't come back and like scream at me about it or something like that right like he would either <laughs> just he would just not take the suggestion which is fine. Your confidence impresses me. Um, I'm going to ask Marcus the same question. Maxime, what's your guess? I guess he, he's going to tell us that he would say it forcefully and have no problem, but secretly, if, if he was actually <laughs> in that scenario, he'd be hella passive. There's no f-ing way he'd give advice to Steph. Uh, but what do you think, man? I feel like it's not even going to be so secret. I, I think he's more on the side of just like not being able to tell Steph what's up. Marcus, could you, in fact, give advice to the greatest shooter of all time? I would. I would, and I would start every critique with, damn it, Wardell, stop. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, I was completely right. Let's let's go ahead and put a little standing ovation (laughs) for me here. Um, No, I would be passive about it. I mean, that's like the equivalent of telling Jerry Rice how to catch a football or, you know, like, it's just not... I wouldn't know how to do it. I would just be like, uh, Steph, if you think it's okay, if you didn't mind, would you try just tucking your elbow in just a little bit right here? If you wanted to, if you wanted to, just think about it. You you may have noticed that I have never hit a single three in the NBA and you have the record for the most, but, you know, here's a couple pointers. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I might as well teach him how to dance. There would be no upside. <laughs> Sarah, we have a segment that we call Warriors Oracle, but it makes it sound way more fancy than it is. Really, we should call it Warriors Mailbag because essentially we ask our listeners to give us questions and we answer them. The only wrinkle is that occasionally they'll ask us personal ones. So uh, be ready to field anything. And here's our first. Ed from Oakland asks, quote, the Mavs are shopping Porzingis. Should the Warriors try to get him? And before you give us your take, uh, here is kind of a peek at what the Warriors would have to give up. Uh, From what I have read and what I've messed around with on the NBA trade machine is that the Warriors have to give up Wiggins. Um, We give up Andrew, we give up a protected first round pick, and we get back Porzingis in return. Sirit, would you do that? You're Bob Myers. They call you up. What's your response? Which protected first rounder? Not nothing, something in the future, not Minnesota. Not the Minnesota. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I'd probably do it. Why? Uh, Well, this is okay. I mean, let me just, let me just work through this in my head a little bit. So Wiggins, I mean, Wiggins has improved quite a bit this year as a defender. Um, 
he's still not a very intuitive offensive player. And I think what he's doing right now, and honestly, I haven't, I, I haven't watched, like, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the Warriors game in at least a week or so. So if he's playing, like, really bad right now, my bad. Um, but he's not a very intuitive player, and I feel like what he is right now is probably going to be his ceiling. Um, you know, give or take, like, give him a little bit more spacing, you know, probably be a little bit more efficient. Um, but with KP, like, you, you get a guy that can really stretch the floor and can play the five and can defend. And like, you also have, you have Draymond, right? Like you have the perfect guy to to pair him with in that, like all the matchups in which KP would get, would get destroyed essentially. Yeah. Um, Draymond can take those. Like it gives you, it gives you a lot of versatility. And then like, once you get playback, like, I don't know if there are three, you, are, are, would there be three guys on the same team that can stretch the floor just as much other than like on the nets right nothing that i can immediately think of and they would all fit together really well yeah i can see that fit being perfect and just i i just see so many backdoor cuts you know already it just it just kind of it would almost it feels like it would almost be seamless yeah, but like no. what, where do you fall on that i feel like yeah, like sure. it's fun as this, as this segment to ask me but um you guys could probably say more insightful stuff about the Warriors roster. If I'm Bob Myers, they call me up and they offer me Porzingis. The first question I'm asking them is, does this deal involve a uh, time machine as well? You know, if, if we are talking about Porzingis from a few years back, from Porzingis the Nick, hell yes. I don't even let him finish the mm-hmm. sentence. Sure, yes, absolutely. Um, for all the reasons you said, he, he will give us another stretch shooter. He can protect the rim. He was a superstar in New York. People were mm-hmm. furious for the package that New York got back and then he went to Dallas. But if we're talking about now, what's happened between that trade and where we stand currently, I'll say two major things. One, the questions about Porzingis' health became concerns. You know, we don't know when that dude's ever going to come back completely healthy. He missed a bunch of games Mm -hmm. this year. And then two, Wiggins has kind of broken out a little bit. I mean, he's not an all-star, and I'm not sure he'll ever be an all-star here in Golden State. And I, you might be right. We may have seen exactly what he can provide. But shit, what he can provide is pretty good. He's, he's earning the nickname, at least out here, two-way Wiggs. So because I know what Wiggins would give us, and I'm not positive if Porzingis would be on the floor, I'm probably telling them no. Uh, mm. MT, put on your Myers hat. Where are you? Um, I tell them no, but it, like you said, I would need a time machine. Like Porzingis post-knee surgery and injury um, just isn't doing it. And he may get back to his former self. Um, he was killing it in the bubble. He was averaging like 30. Uh, but, you know, since then, since that injury, he hasn't been himself at all. And I just still really am intrigued and want to see a Warriors lineup that has a little more strength in numbers with just a ton of long athletic wings, like adding clay to this roster, just assuming you keep everybody. We even keep Ubre. like having a roster where it's clay and Steph and Ubre and Wiggins and Draymond and then Wiseman coming, ducking in and out. Like to me, those kind of things are just really fascinating. Like I don't, it didn't work out great for Boston, but I think that was more so because of the injury to Kemba and Steph is a lot better than Kemba. Um, but, you know, to have that approach to it where it's like we're just going to load up on these middle sized wings and just outrun and gun you and we're going to switch everything and 
you know, ride that to the championship or not is just an interesting strategy because I don't, I don't see too many other teams stopping it. You know, outside of how do you guard Anthony Davis or or Giannis or a KD, but you know, those are questions that you you don't really have answers for, no matter who you're putting on the court. That's kind of a random aside, I think. Well, here's here's the issue, guys. Uh, you guys aren't Canadian, right? There's no Canadians here. <laughs> no, did you did you not hear <laughs> so me? So you say haven't followed. You, you haven't followed. <laughs> I've said. Toronto like 50 times, Siren. I mean, you, there's no way you yeah, thought I was Canadian enough. after the first yeah, 20 minutes. Enough. Not you, but you know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's some intuiting that I can do. Um, you haven't really followed the Andrew Wiggins uh, rainbow to the end of the pot of gold uh, this many times, have you guys? Things are different I just now. Feel like, exactly. No, don't you say that, Siren. Things are different exactly. here. You don't know. The Bay Area is a totally exactly. different place. Exactly. We are not Minnesota. How dare you? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's something to that. Well, I think. I mean, look, like the Warriors have already done so much more with Wiggins that uh, that he would have wouldn't have necessarily figured out himself. Like he's actually situated in a role that makes sense for him. And like you know, it's a shocker, guys. It's it's almost like when you get off the worst franchise. Uh, you start liking basketball again. You start being like, hey, maybe I will play some defense. Uh, that said, similar thing I think it happened with KP, though. I mean, like, the way that I look at KP is, like, you play him off the, the uh, you play him at the three, where, like, you know, it doesn't really matter what you call it. You just run him off screens. Like, I don't, like, no, I really don't That's feel a great like take. No, that's a great take. The, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you kind of, you try to do, like, kind of some, like, bring back some of the KD curls that, that they were doing uh, to get him some offense, and like right now with the with the with the Mavs, like he averages twenty points a game without really being featured in the offense at all. Um, it's not like I mean he shouldn't be getting close ups. Run this would have whatever Shaq says, but you know this is like a it's a Luca offense and he gets his shots based on that, which is not a bad offense by any means. Like I'm, he's getting a ton of open shots, but he's not really featured. I feel like huh. I feel like the Warriors could probably find ways to maximize him, and I also just like. When I talk about unguardability, man, like I love looking at that starting lineup with with KP at the three and then Wiseman um, at the five. Like you would just have to have so many different types of defenders to be able to deal with Steph, Clay, Wiseman, and uh, and Kristaps uh, at the same time. Like I just don't really know what type of system that you would have for that because like that's just like I feel like that's just dunk city for, for, for Wiseman. Uh, here's what really speaks to me. First, let me tell you, I should admit that I am, in fact, Canadian. I was just joking before. No, I am not. I have not. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, what, what speaks to me about that analysis. So, I mean, ultimately, I'll spoil the ending. It's the health. In, in, until I know for sure he's going to be on the court, I'm not anxious to give away a piece that has proven himself here in Wiggins. But if the health was there, what you just said really speaks to me. Because what we have been saying nonstop about Wiggins is that the reason why he never reached the potential that, that he has had since he started playing basketball is that he was never with a franchise that helped him meet that potential. And now that he's in an organization that actually knows how to develop talent, his talent has developed and we're seeing where he's at. If we apply that to Porzingis, I don't think anybody would argue that Porzingis' skill set, the baseline skills, the unicorn skills he had in New York were probably higher than Wiggins. And so if we've accepted the idea that Golden State can elevate people, you know, more so than other franchises, then you bring Porzingis in here and that elevation might be higher than Wiggins. I'm hearing you. But right now, the guy can't get on the court, you know, so I, I would be concerned. Um, 
That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't elevate health. You can elevate defense, and but Ron. You can't. Adams, el- you can't elevate health. Health. I disagree with that. I don't know if the Warriors, the franchise, to do that, but you can elevate health. We used to be that franchise before we lost the woman with a pop collar. And I, I'm not even saying that jokingly. The Warriors uh, changed no, traders. Yeah, we, we lost Chelsea Lane. Um, and then mm-hmm. these injuries started cascading. Uh, yeah. let, let me ask you another question. And uh, I'll warn you, it's our last, but the one I'm kind of excited for. So this one came from Kristen Peak of Yahoo. Your, oh, oh, no. Your friend <laughs> and co-worker. Exactly right. Quote, when I came on the huddle they made me power rank my nieces and nephews quick oh no no yeah. quick no. aside that's true we we did in fact make her do that and she's done that a few times uh, back to christian's email quote when sarat comes on i demand demand she says sarat that she ranks the following co-workers christian oh, no. <laughs> oh, here are your options i'm going to need a 1 through 5 christian peak oh, no. Marcus, who is on the line, Vince, Chris, and John. So I'll have you know, I don't know who Vince. John, Chris, John or Johnny? And I, it's J O N is what she gave me. So okay. John, I guess it's, right. it's got to so, it's got to well, be it's, it's got to be Ludden. It's got to be Ludden. Okay, so <laughs> I don't even I don't know most of these people, but I love like that someone's going to be upset and that you have to rank them. Oh, so take us through God. it, dude, and and take us from the bottom. Who's the worst of the worst? <laughs> from the bottom, okay. From the bottom to the top. Who do we got? <laughs> okay. Um. All right. We need to. Okay. I need to. I need some time to think about this. Oh, this is making me so happy. And just my life. Um. You know, really, this is what what I'm okay with walking out of here with. So. Okay. First of all. I'm going Mark. KP last for putting me through this exercise. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, I was hoping for Marcus. I was, I had my fingers crossed, hoping that Marcus was the worst. But I'll, I'll take KP. Well, he might have just met, but you know, he's he's uh, he's he's been lovely so far. <laughs> um, he hasn't disparaged Canada quite the way that you have. My name wasn't so. in the list. I'll tell you that he feels the same way, though. He does, in fact, feel the same way. If that changes you, anything Marcus? for you. Oh, oh, you oh, wuss. <laughs> what's the what's the next what are the next few lines? Um, we hate you all so much. <laughs> yeah, I literally only know the first two, and that's because All right, you're getting slapped at four. Okay. Sorry, four. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, Chris Chris, Vince, and John. Okay. Um I love all these guys, man. This is tough. <laughs> Let's get some last names too, just for like, people who don't know. So like it's Chris Haynes, Vince Chris Goodwill. Haynes, Vince Goodwill. Yeah. And, and John, John is, Nichols. Yeah. Nichols. Better known as Lejethro Jenkins on, on Twitter, who's also the co-host of, of Dunk Bait, which you guys should check out every Thursday at yahoosports.com. Nice. Um, yeah. Right. And okay. So this is kind of like, you know, just it's like the exercise I just went through with all star. Like I just, it's very tough. Um, okay, well, I think I think. Why? Why am I do? Why are you guys making me do this? I can't I find this so this. funny. <laughs> I, I, conflict makes me so happy. I'll tell you right oh, now. Good. This this was my idea, hundred percent on KP. <laughs> and I can imagine two things. She is listening, 
and she is also awkwardly laughing. I hope she is KP number five. You hear that, right? No, no, she heard it. <laughs> you got she that. Heard it. And, and I'll okay. tell you right now, KP, great question. Nicely played. But this, you know, it's all in fun. They all know that this is tongue in cheek. Nobody will actually hold your your uh, no, hand to the course. fire. In this. Of course, but I just, you know, I want to get my rankings right. You know, I take this thing, I take this very seriously. Um. Okay, I'm gonna go. Can I can I do like a two A type of thing? Two A B. I should say no, but yes, yes, you can. Okay. When I give Chris and and Nichols are gonna get two, and Vinny Vinny gets a top spot because this week we did a podcast where um, I accuse him of being racist, sexist, um, and also that. So basically, I don't know if this actually all of any of this actually got into the podcast, um, but. Before we do our podcast, what we do is we clap on on three, and I was naturally later than both of them, and and they accused me of, of not having any rhythm. Um, and I imagine it had something to do with the lack of melanin in my skin. And you know, there are a couple other moments that we won't necessarily get into right now, but I kind of flipped it on him and. You know, put him in a position, like kind of talked him into positions a few times that, you know, could have could have probably got him fired. Um, and he was a very cool sport about that. He was just like, yeah, just 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 f- with me. It's totally fine. And that's that's kind of who Vince is. If you've met him, um, it, it makes him uh, it makes him a very fun hang because what he likes to do is he likes to put you in a position where like he, he doesn't really he, like he's not a troll necessarily, but he's like. He doesn't care if you like him or not, and he'll just say whatever he wants to say. And sometimes I think that'll make people uncomfortable. And with Vince, what like so first I used to get really worked up when Vince said things. Like he was so good at like just just setting my fuse off. Like he would know what take to use to piss me off. And I would just like for the first year I was at Yahoo, like every time we did a pod together, I ranted about something. He would just sit there laughing and then I would be like, Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm just getting played. Um, I've learned now to just turn that around on him. And it's a lot of fun, but because of because of what I put him through this week, I'm going to give him the top spot. I loved what we learned about a multiple people in the course of that story, and I like the story as well. One of the things I loved was your line of, yeah, so we did this thing in the podcast. I'm not sure if it made it in there. I love that you're recording podcasts and then not listening to them when they come out. That's just nicely played by you. I, so sometimes I will, but I hate, I really hate doing that. Um, I actually can associate. I said that, but yeah. I, it's so hard. And if, it, cause if there's some portion where you feel like you screwed up or you didn't nail a mm. take, it's just like, you know, I don't know, scratching glass on your face for no reason at all. Uh, Sirit, you were awesome and you were a hell of a sport and, and yet rolled with the punches. And I am positive that I am not the only person out there who's thinking this. If there are people out there who need more Sohi in their life, where do they turn? Where can we find your work? So uh, right now you can find my work at Yahoo Sports. Um, and my Instagram is Sirit Sohi. I'm currently not on Twitter. So that's where you can find me. For us, yeah, the only social media presence we have is Twitter, which is... Uh, we hate Canada, uh, at, <laughs> which is at Warriors Huddle. Um, our email account is still warriorshuddle at gmail.com. If you want to let us know we did a good job, bad job, any kind of a job, or if you want to get us any questions for uh, Warriors Oracle, with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week.
Good, good.